Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our conversation, In Conversation, the podcast where I speak to women's health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out about what they do and how their story can support you through modern motherhood. Let's get started, shall we? Hi guys, I hope you are well and staying sane in this lockdown. Um, I think I'm borderline. I'm getting to that point now where I'm like itching, itching to see people. Um, And trying to just take each day as it comes. So I hope your day today is a good one for you. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Passion Mama in Conversation. In this week's episode, I speak to Joe Middleton, who is the founder of the award-winning blog, Slummy Single Mummy, where she shares her stories of single motherhood, parenting, as well as gets guest writers to share their anonymous but very interesting stories of their own parenting journey. There's lots and lots of content on there, so I highly recommend you go take a look when you can, and I have linked to it in the show notes. This episode today um, shares Jo's journey into motherhood. She had her first child at 17, and she talks about how her family really sort of supported her through that. We talk about the best and also the most challenging parts about being a single parent and what we can do as a society to help support the single parenting community. We touch on stigmatisms associated with single parenting and also with being a young mum. We talk about what it was like balancing a young child at home with studies and with work. And she also shares her tips for parents in lockdown, advising everyone to take one day at a time. Some really, really good and sound advice there. Jo is also part of the team at Frollo, which is the single parent community app. Jo is the social and content manager there. And it's a really incredible space. If you are a single parent, I highly recommend you joining. Um, I've also linked to uh, their website and the app download in our show notes. And Joe talks about the importance of the community there and how by everyone sharing their stories, it's made her realize that she's done an incredible job in being a single parent, which everybody should always know and feel and trust. So, Really, really pleased that we were able to to chat to Jo today, to bring you this episode, to share her insights and her story and all those other good bits. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi Jo, hello, nice to meet you, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Well, I say good, it's taken on a bit of a new meaning, hasn't it, in lockdown, but I am uh, maintaining my sanity. That is a win. That's all yeah. we can ask for these days. And I do feel weird asking people how they're doing. I just feel like it's just one of those things that you just ask someone when you when you meet yeah. them. Um, kind of like an automated response. Yeah, I'm all right, even if... Yeah, fine, thanks. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm good. Glad you're keeping sane. So am I-ish. Borderline, but there. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for talking to me um, this morning. Um, why don't we start by just the basics? What, um, maybe give our listeners a bit of an introduction to you and what you do. 
Okay, so my name's Jo. That's quite a basic. I am going to be 43 this year. Uh, I've got two daughters. They are 25 and 18. And I have a grandson um, who is baby Joey, who's 18 months old. It's a bit confusing because all of my family call me Joey as well, which I don't think my daughter really thought of because she doesn't call me Joey, obviously. She calls me mum. But my mum and my sister find it very confusing. So he will probably be baby Joey until he's about 17. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or 70. Yeah. Those, those nicknames tend to stick around for a long time. Trust me, I know. Just, just to kind of, you know, make that separation. Um, yeah, I've been a single mum on and off. So 25 years, I guess. I've been sort of in, you know, in various relationships. But I don't know, there's something about once you've been a single parent, you kind of feel like you are all the time, I think, even when if you're in a new relationship. Um, yeah, I work for myself. I write a blog called Summy Single Mummy. Um, and I've got three cats. Amazing. Great yeah. intro. When's your, <laughs> when's your birthday? Um, April 25th. So if anyone would like to wish me happy birthday via social media on that day, you can write a little note in your diary now. I'm making a note of it. Right <laughs> um, so lots of things I want to talk to you about today. Um, we'll start with your blog. Your blog, Slummy Single Mummy, has won a ton of awards. It's there's so much stuff on there. I was I was on there last week, just kind of like reading and 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 um, digesting all of the information that you've put out, but also you, you know, you ha you have other people kind of contribute and, and write and share yeah. their stories. When did you start it, and why did you start it? Um, well, you're right that there's a lot on there. The guys who do my web hosting, just like they, <laughs> like the backup every night <laughs> I think the, the lights sort of flicker in their offices um I started it at the end of 2009 so quite a long time ago now I had been working in sort of various jobs it, the kind of jobs that you go back to after you've had children because you can't get a proper job that gives you enough flexibility so a lot of kind of small part-time roles all fitting around themselves and then in 2009 I was just kind of done I, I thought this is ridiculous I'm so overqualified for all of these jobs they're all really low paid they're all it's all really stressful so one one Sunday evening after a couple of glasses of wine and having had a friend around I handed in my notice from the job that I was in at the time and I decided because I've been watching a lot of Sex in the City that I would be a freelance journalist didn't have any like relevant experience or qualifications, but um, it looked fun. You know, she just sat about outside cafes writing uh, and wearing nice outfits. So I thought I'd have a piece of that. Um, I gave up my job and um, yeah, just kind of went to Smith's the next day and wrote down all of the email addresses for the editors. And um, I didn't even know you had to pitch ideas. I just emailed them and was like, I'm a writer. What would you like me to write for you? So the blog started really after a, f a few months of being self-employed and realizing that probably I needed to do something to show that I could write, essentially. So it became a kind of way for me to test out ideas for features and then kind of pitch on the back of it. Um, and also discovered it was a really lovely way to kind of connect with other people um, as a single parent, kind of 
get advice and just sort of feel less lonely really so I guess that's kind of where it started never really thought that it would be a thing because I didn't realize other people wrote blogs or that there was like a community around it um yeah and it's just kind of evolved from there really that's incredible the fact that <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw is your inspiration which each of those women from that show has definitely inspired people who watched it to do something yeah I can't even wear heels so I don't really know why I related to her but for me it was for me it was never the heels it was always that that apple colored the color like brightly colored apple uh, apple logo on yeah. the back of her laptop I think it's the lifestyle for me just the idea that she could sustain a life by just sitting about outside cafes writing a sex column and then drinking cocktails that was like yes please the dream yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and why did you decide to call it Slummy Single Mummy? Was it always that? Was it always that name? Oh no! I think I probably it, I set it up on a, such a whim. Um, I just searched for a few different options on WordPress, and that was about the fourth that was available. I think. <laughs> I love that. Um, I I have got. I've definitely got less slummy since I set it up. Although there is a couple of days worth of dishes in the kitchen at the moment. But the, um, when I, so I was 30, I think, maybe 31 when I set it up and um, was definitely had a, a slummier mindset, I'd say. Fair, fair. <laughs> okay, so you're talking to, um, you're kind of bringing community together, which is amazing. We love that. Um, can we talk a little bit about, your journey into motherhood you know you've got two daughters 25 and 18 mm. um you had your first child I think at 17 I read on your blog yes would you mind it's all relative but 17 can be can be seen as quite a young age to <laughs> to be a, a mum can you share that that start of your motherhood journey with us yeah it was a big surprise to a lot of people I think because I was such a square in school like I doubt anybody would even think that I was having sex let alone that I would be the first person in my year to get pregnant <laughs> so I was I was 16 when I found out I was pregnant and I that was in the October after I'd left school like for GCSEs in, in that year and so I went to my GCSE certificate presentation evening I remember and I got the cup for academic achievement because I was the like the best best GCSE results in the year or something so I was proper square and I was pregnant at the time and didn't know it but I kind of I just like that uh, you know that sort of contrast um so it was a big surprise for me and for a lot of people and I say it was a surprise but it shouldn't have been because I was not being safe all the time <laughs> but like it, as much of a cliche as it sounds I thought that was the kind of thing that happened to other people. You know, you, you're 16 and you don't really, you take risks, don't you? And you don't always make the best decisions. But uh, yeah, so I had um, my boyfriend at the time and we'd been together for about three months and he was actually a year younger than me. Um, and so he was still in school um, when I found out that I was pregnant, um, which... Yeah, you're right. At the time, I felt really kind of mature and grown up. But when you say things like he was still in school, <laughs> it 
just kind of bring it home a little bit. Luckily, I have an incredibly supportive family. So and my mum loves babies. So she was genuinely excited, which I don't imagine many parents of 16 year olds. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, she was over the moon. She was like beside herself. Yeah. And I have a younger sister as well, who's um, who's lovely. We're very close. And so uh, we I just sort of stayed living at home um, for the first 18 months or so after B was born um, and my boyfriend was allowed to move in with me after he'd finished his exams um, yeah and it, so she ended up being born at the end of July which was really convenient because I meant I could finish the first year of my A-levels and then she was born in the summer holidays and then I went back in September um, my mum and my gran helped out uh, looking after her and my lecturers at college were really good they let me only go in for like two-thirds of my lessons so I only had to go in three days a week instead of five and honestly it was like it, it was really fine I had loads of support I I think the fact that I was pregnant all through the first year of my A-levels just gave me loads of time for revision when everyone else was out having uh getting drunk and stuff um yeah so that's kind of how I how it started out that's um that's so lovely to hear that you had this sort of incredible support system around you which mm. I guess at that age when you're juggling schoolwork and just hormones in general is is really really important once you started to go back into once you once you once you've done your exams and stuff and you kind of went into the workplace Mm. But did you ever feel, uh, you know, when you told people that you had a, a baby at home, were they, you know, was it ever uh, shocked to hear that from for somebody who's so young? Or how, how did you manage that in the workplace? I'm sure it was. Um, but, and especially because I, I mean, I don't generally think I look my age particularly. And when I was sort of 20 or, you know, I certainly didn't so I think just generally looking pregnant or having a baby around like was probably um a bit of a surprise but I've always had this not, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but I generally am oblivious to what people think of me um, so I could be kind of walking through town pregnant at 16 just quite happily and probably getting some interesting looks but honestly I just never noticed and so I think it's probably the same um, having a baby in the workplace I I just kind of am so sort of smiley and matter of fact about things when I say them that I think people can't help but just be like oh okay that's nice or and be surprised but I, I've never felt like um judged particularly that's amazing and I think that I think it's such a great gift to have zero <laughs> zero fucks about what anyone get. you know I mean uh, it's it's just like I can't even it's, it's like I don't even notice it's not even that I notice and choose not to care I just <laughs> don't, don't even notice oh, that's that sounds delightful <laughs> um so you're in work how are you balancing work with or even school work at that time with a newborn 
I think when I just had one baby, it was actually pretty straightforward because I did have so much support. I know I, I absolutely couldn't have done it without my family support. Um, so, so after I did my A-levels, I went to university um, to one that was sort of an hour's drive away from where I lived so that I could leave um, be with family and things. So that was fine. And then um, th my first job out of university, it, it was manageable. I think when you've only got one child and that child is pretty easygoing, um, that makes a lot of difference. It became harder, I think, after I had my second daughter when I was 24, because she was this very um, vocal about her needs <laughs> and quite uh, high maintenance, I guess you, you could say, in a, in a nice way, like she just didn't want to be apart from me. And so my plan to go back to work just didn't, it, it wasn't possible. Um, I tried putting her into nursery as a sort of test a few months before I was planning to go back. And, you know, sometimes you like you drop a child off at nursery and they cry and then the nursery people will say, oh, you know, as soon as you'd left, they stopped and they were fine. She didn't stop and she wasn't fine until I came back again and got her. Um, and we did try that for a while, but she just, it was just too sad. <laughs> Um, so I ended up being off work for about two and a half years until she was kind of happier being left and we found somewhere where she was more settled. Um, interestingly, it's just this summer gone when she was 17 that um, she is diagnosed with um, Asperger's syndrome. So all of the time, that, like when you look back on these kind of things and the fact that she didn't like being in the nursery and you know all of everything kind of starts to make sense um so yeah oh, I've sidetracked myself well, I don't even That's, know what the question was sorry no, <laughs> neither do I I think uh I think that's um gosh that's that's in, that's amazing. Was there something, if you don't mind me asking, and feel don't you have to answer if you don't want to, was there something that triggered her getting tested for Asperger's? This so um, well, it's been a age? it's been a bit of a journey over the last sort of four years, really. Um, she's incredibly bright and very able, and I think it's quite common, especially with girls who are bright, too, for it to be picked up quite late in life because they're very good at um, sort of masking is the term and you know they'll see how other people are behaving and copy that and and fit in um although underneath it's incredibly stressful and you know there's a lot of going on and they don't really understand um sort of what's happening or why they're behaving in that way so I think she got to a certain age um where it was it just became started to become unmanageable so around sort of 14 where I think is hormones obviously um, start to kick in, the stress at school and the pressure kind of ramps up. But also I think um, friendships become more complex uh, and that's something that she, I know that she finds difficult. So when you're you know, younger, you kind of argue with your friends, but it's more straightforward. You get to sort of 14 and suddenly like the nuances and the, the subtext it all becomes a lot more complex and difficult to understand so then we just sort of had a journey of her 
becoming very anxious and not wanting to go to school but not really understanding why was it just sort of teenage things was it just anxiety and yeah just kind of going through lots of different channels and exploring a lot of different um possible reasons until yeah we ended up there really wow that must have been I don't know I mean I I couldn't possibly know what that would feel like but to know that to be diagnosed with something to then so so later on to then realize Mm. that there there was an underlying reason for so many things earlier yeah it's it's a being a a strange one as a parent because I think your first instinct is to think gosh like if why didn't I see that like why if only I'd known that earlier I could have done x y and z but I, I guess like with anything with parenting you just have to reassure yourself that you've always done the best that you can in any at any one time and in any one position and that's all you can do really isn't it and obviously with hindsight there'd be plenty of us who would be able to think of things that we would have done differently or better but that doesn't help you going forward so um yeah but it's a real shame that we weren't able to but that I mean nobody in school ever noticed or said anything at all um and I think that's that can also be at the sort of girl boy thing with whereas boys can tend to sort of act out a bit more or you know that have behavioral issues that highlight problems whereas girls tend to be like try to fit in and be quieter Mm, yeah Um, and those sort of I guess that time where you as you said you're dropping her off at nursery and she wouldn't settle you had to take sort of two years out to really Mm. get to a get to a point where she felt comfortable being alone without you that really struck a chord with me in terms of what I'm seeing and speaking to our community you know a lot of a lot of a lot of mums are concerned about I guess attachment theory and I say that in air quotes Mm. um given that their little ones are now so used to being around them all the Mm. time that when they when schools do reopen or they have to go to nursery or whatever it is that it will be a lot harder to for their children to let go yeah I don't I guess that is a worry but I mean generally the sort of the theory behind attachment theory is that you you're creating that safe base isn't it and that actually in doing that you create children who are more independent and who are confident to go out and explore the world because they know that that safe base is there for them to return to and that they can always access you and so I you know I guess you could think well perhaps that you know this period at home will have strengthened those bonds with your children but that could have a positive impact in just making them feel safer in that in their relationship with you and um yeah I guess you know there'll there'll be a sort of that period of adjustment but yeah I I think that it'll be okay Mm. and that could be a positive thing Mm. and speaking of positive things I'd love to talk to you ask you a little bit about the sort of I guess positives and like the best bits and also maybe the most challenging bits about being a single parent I know that you said that over the years you've been a single parent you've not been a single parent but mainly Mm. even when you're with somebody you are a single parent (laughs) yeah um 
generally, do you know what? I I really love it. Um, I um, I tend to think I'm right about most things. So not having another parent to to have that conflict with about ways of doing things or you know parenting style, I really like. I really like that freedom. Um, it is difficult, and especially you know sort of with the bigger things over the last few years not to have somebody as a sounding board for that or to feel like there's somebody who you share that responsibility with has is a big pressure but the day-to-day -day stuff of being able to just do what you like and <laughs> go where you like and eat when you like you know all of those small things I I really love and interestingly it's only because I started working with um Frollo, which is a sort of single parent community app, uh, quite recently, and it was only when I started working with them that I realised that I I don't think I have ever really given myself much credit for being a single parent because most of my friends aren't. Most of my friends are in couples, and I you know they go about their life and I go about mine, and I just sort of assumed that my life is typical. Um, and working with Frollo and kind of get hearing people's stories and kind of hearing more from other single parents, I've, it's made me realise actually there's like, it can be quite difficult and perhaps I've done all right. <laughs> it's been so comforting. That's lovely. And that's why these communities are so important is to, yeah. you know, have that reassurance and know that you're doing amazingly. I, I did want to ask a little bit about... Um, you know, I know that you say that you have almost sometimes oblivious to things, which is mm. a blessing. I, I don't <laughs> think. Have you ever felt stigmatized as a as a single parent before? See, I really want to be able to say yes in a way because I want to be able to kind of say it's not good enough, and we should, uh, you know, single parents need X, Y, and Z. But I, it's a tough one. I don't, not on a sort of personal level, like I don't feel like I've met somebody and I've told them that I'm a single parent and I felt a judgment from them. I guess perhaps more on a, a sort of societal level. So things like um, finances, for instance, I definitely feel that there is a, that single parents are, excuse me, that single parents are discriminated against financially in a lot of situations. So even just sort of the superficial stuff like days out or, you know, like I have a family rail card and a family rail card is the same price for a two parent family as a single parent family, which effectively means it costs twice as much for me as if I was in a couples, you know, and things like going on holidays and family tickets to things, you know, all of those are big uh, like uh, extra costs that you bear as a single parent and even like during lockdown the the financial help that was made available to freelancers which I didn't actually qualify for because I earned just over the cap now if I was a two-parent household I might be two parents who were both earning just below the cap and then would have both qualified even though their household income might have been nearly 
double mine. But as a single parent household, I got nothing, but, you know, to support me financially. So I think there are, it, at a, as a sort of, on a big, like that, that sort of scale, there are a lot of examples, yeah, where as a single parent, you feel a bit hard done by, for sure. Mm, that gosh that must be so tough so so tough especially when it comes to finances especially when it comes to finances in lockdown Mm. what what can we do for you know what is there anything that you'd like to see done for the single parenting community I guess just it's more of an acceptance of the fact that actually single parents are a really significant majority. This is not like a small strand of um, families. You know, it's it's like millions, isn't it? That's something like 1.8 million. I'm, I'm making that up on my head. I think that's about right. It's a really big proportion of families are headed by single parents. And so this, this idea that there's a, the kind of normal family is just really outdated. And, you know, it would take so little for things like, you know, holiday companies or um, attractions to just acknowledge that and to change pricing structures or for, you know, I just just kind of let's get over this idea that there's a normal family. Let's break the mold. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Totally supportive of that. just a couple of a couple of questions um, to to wrap up, Joe. Um, single parent or no single or no, no single parent, have you got any advice for mums in lockdown with kids at home, maybe feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, on the brink of going insane? <laughs> any any tips that you might be able to share? Oh, I do you know I'm I've been so grateful this whole last year that I my children are older like they have their problems Mm. and that you know but god if I had like a five and a seven and a nine year old at home and I haven't homeschooled them I would probably be insane so advice I guess it's just about taking one day at a time isn't it I mean that's how I when I kind of have weeks where I feel like I'm struggling I have to really break it down and be like, like even this week, for instance, I've made myself a plan of what I was going to do in every two hour chunk during every day, just to keep me focused and keep me on track, but also to make things feel more manageable. So if you think to yourself, oh my God, this is it for the next six months, you will lose it. But if you think, okay, today, just until 11 a.m., I have to do this. And I can do that. And then from 11 until 12, I just have to do this and I can do that. Like just really breaking it down and yeah, make making it feel more manageable. Mm. And also like just not setting yourself up such high standards and not setting yourself up to fail. You know, nobody, it's not like the first lockdown where everybody was doing Joe Wicks at 9am, is it? Like we realised that that's not sustainable. <laughs> And so actually just getting through and just putting a meal on the table or on your lap um, is enough, I think. 
at the moment just to yeah. kind of celebrate those small achievements I was gonna say break them down make them manageable tick them off and celebrate the micro win that you've yeah. done that, that thing that you were supposed to yeah. and if you didn't don't beat yourself try not to beat yourself up about it no no I've ticked off the hours as they go by in my chart this week and I'm like yes yes concentrated for an hour go me I mean Definitely that's gonna that, have three bourbons now now yeah oh I love that reward um I'm going to be running out to the shop to buy my own custard cream. Um, Joe, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been, you're, I don't, you know, I, I, you're so easy to talk to and it was just so wonderful to kind of get your experience and um, kind of hear your story. So I really appreciate you sharing, taking the time and sharing it with me this week. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I'm not going to do that.